Welcome back, everybody, to Chip and Eric reading through the Bible, two semi-ordinary pastors reading an extraordinary book to some just absolutely incredible people. Today, we are going to continue the book of Judges. We are. A difficult book of the Bible, a mm. frustrating book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It is frustrating, yeah. you know, because as we're going to see right at the beginning of our story, it's going to shock you, Chip. It's probably going to throw you off guard in a big way. Good. I don't think you're going to see it coming. Mm. Things are going to get kind of crazy. Oh, wow. A little unpredictable. Okay. So here we go. Mm-hmm. This is surprising everyone. Okay. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's oh, sight. Wow. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. Mm-hmm. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink any wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of the Lord appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, The man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, Are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, when your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord replied, be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, it is too wonderful for you to understand. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord. And he said to his wife, We will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, if the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahana Dan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtael. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites that you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, 
get her for me. She looks too good to me. His father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who rolled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with a woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that the swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped out some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, Let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I'll give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he said, Out of one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we'll burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, You don't love me. You hate me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my father and mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with her answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, If you haven't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave the clothing to the men who had solved this riddle. But Samson was furious about what happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but, but her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, This time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply, because, there's, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. 
The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the Rock of Edom. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you, what are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him back from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a 1,000 men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You must have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Oh, you have accomplished this victory by the great strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. One day, Samson went, in to, went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, When the light of morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, lifted them up, bar and all, and he put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong. What would it take to tie you up securely? Samson replied, If I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings uh, as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before. And again, Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me, how can you be tied up securely? Samson replied, if you were to weave seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, 
The Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah, Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me these three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Well, Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off seven locks of his hair. Hmm. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains, chains and forced to grind grapes, grain, sorry, in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers had a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, Our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, Our God has delivered us, has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading them by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching Samson as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. O oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had in his entire lifetime. Later, his brothers and other relatives went down to get his body. They took him back home and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel, where his father Manoah was buried. Samson had judged Israel for 20 years. Okay. Wow. Hmm. Samson. Man, another story that I think needs some unpacking. <laughs> mm. Judges has got a few of those, and tomorrow's no different the looks of it. Yeah. But, um... Wow. Man, okay, so what does this tell us about God, and what does this tell us about us? Okay. Yeah. Well, I think in, in terms of... Uh, one thing I, I took, have taken away from this is that God can use a bad thing. Um, God can use a bad thing to be a good thing, God thing, mm -hmm. you know? And so he, you know, he was set apart, um, but yet he, you know, basically kind of prostituted himself with, with women that weren't of, you know, the, the tribe that, that was required outside and, and foreign women with foreign gods, mm -hmm. and it impacted him and it changed him. But God still used it at the end of the day to take down the Philistines. Yeah. 
Yep. You mean, and that was the ultimate thing there to move his people forward, you know, as they began to cry out to God. Um, but so he turned a bad thing into a God thing, good thing. And he, and he can do that. I mean, not that we do bad things, so right. he can do that. Right. Right. But we do see that often in Scripture where God uses that, um, comes out of bad situations to bring good things. I mean, you just think, you know, think of Adam and Eve in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That was a bad, a very bad thing that they did. But God used that to bring a good thing out of that, you know, where we uh, have the salvation, you know, and... Uh, and he does that time and time again. Mm-hmm. And he do, does that in this situation, even though it was a tragic, sad, a lot of life lessons, a lot of us lessons, I think, in it, in here mm-hmm. when it comes to us. But that's one thing I thought of. Yeah, you know, Samson is a very uh, appetitive creature. He's very driven by his appetites. You know, you see that physically when he touches the carcass of the lion, which he wasn't supposed to do as a Nazarite, right? You see that sexually as he's chasing down these women, you know, and lusting after women of, of mm-hmm. the the Philistines, and um, I mean, you just see it over and over and over again. He wants to win this bet and rip these guys off, and you know, like it just you see his appetite. Um, he wants peace and quiet at home. Twice he gives into women because of their, you know, their nagging, his antagonizing, and their nagging, and. You know, it just, he is driven by his appetite. He's a very selfish man, despite the fact that God has put his spirit upon him. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of his life, what you see is repentance from selfishness. You know, you see an act of repentance and the, the request for God to remember him, forgive him, empower him to do the work that you know, God had put before him in the first place. He was supposed to judge Israel and the judge of Israel is supposed to free them from their captives and, or their captors, excuse me. And so you see Samson repent. Oh God, remember me and allow me to die today. You know, his whole life has been spent trying to make his life more luxurious, more enjoyable, you know, and, and chasing after his appetites. And on that day, he finally put himself aside and said, God, help me to do the work that you wanted me to do all along. So I just think that that's such a beautiful picture of that. And then the Philistine rulers gave Dagon credit for handing over Samson. I think we do that in a sense today. We will say, well, Satan did this and Satan did this, but God turned it around. No, the reality is Satan and Dagon didn't have anything to do with Samson getting handed over. It was all Samson. And so we give the devil credit for things that we do. We sin, we have consequences, and we say, well, the devil's doing this and the devil's attacking us like this. And the reality is sometimes it's just us. Sometimes we're doing it. Sometimes we need to stop saying it's the devil, some abstract thing, and take a look in the mirror and say, okay, Eric, it's not the devil. It's you. You have the problem. You have the sin. You need to repent. You need to move forward, right? And I just think that that's such a powerful thing too. But I think today, what this says about me, or what this says about me, yes, I've lived it, uh, but what this says about us is it is never too late. Mm-hmm to repent and to do what God has been calling you to do. It is never too late for that. That is true. No matter what you've lost, he lost his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, he lost his strength. He lost his reputation. Mm-hmm. He lost every, no matter what you've lost, 
to the consequences of your sin, it is never too late to repent and do the work hmm. that God has put before you. So how do what do we do to put those together? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> it's your job, Chip. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I I'm you know. So I I'll just I'll just say this live. Yeah. To you yeah, here. So yeah. you know. Yeah. At the end, he prayed, the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Again, oh God, please strengthen me just one more time with one blow. Let me pay back the Philistines mm. uh, for the loss of my two eyes. So I, I wrestle with that a little bit. Like, um, you know, was he really on, on, on God's team on that? You know, did he, what was his still, you know, he, you know uh, what you said in the beginning, I think, is really what a lot of us struggle with is that he, you know, his appetites. Mm-hmm. And even at the end, we don't know his heart. God knows his heart. Where, where was his appetite with that? So I think the takeaway is what are our appetites mm-hmm. and, and, and where, um, what are we f- feeding them with? The things of God, what God wants for his will and way, or, or there are our own selfish desires. And so I think, you know, it's maybe that's part of the takeaway is, you know, assess what are the appetites and what are we feeding them with? The, the the truth or what we want God what God wants versus what we want I think that's so true yeah, yeah I just think um, you know when you look forward it is hard in this passage to know where Samson's at with this but I think the fact that he makes it into Hebrews eleven you know as part of that hall of faith you know moment this is the only faithful quote unquote faithful moment that he could possibly have had in his life um, the rest of his life was lived faithlessly and I hate that. I mean, I love this version of the Bible that we're reading from, but I hate that I don't... I guess I could do this and see what it says there and explore it a little bit. But, yeah, just live, because, again, mm. I agree with you. I think it is hard in this text to know. It's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to keep going. This is live. This is live. Yeah, so he gets this shout-out. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Yeah. So he gets this shout-out. little shout-out. At some point, I mean, we just read the whole story of Samson. Where else could faith be yeah. seen in this story besides him praying in faith, like, hey, remember me and, and let me do this? Yeah. And I think that you're right. There is a mixed um, motivation there. Mm-hmm. But I think at the heart of it, and, and many of us um, come to faith with mixed motivations, do. you know, of like, I just don't want to go to hell or, you know, like, I need you to rescue me from this, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that this is like a little proto yeah. salvific moment for him where he True. is expressing some kind of faith. Very good. And God is honoring it. But you're right. I mean, I think that we need to be very careful of that. So. Mm. Well, it was a long one, but a good one, and yeah. one that we get to wrestle with a little bit, I think, and that's very good. So this was day, yes, yeah. day number 81. Day 81. And we are very proud of you guys. Yes. Man, absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, crazy. To see the numbers and see people jumping in and yeah. giving important feedback. And, sure. you know, I just, yeah, it's been very good. So, so good. we thank you guys for being part of this and for allowing us to be part of your faith journey, and mm-hmm. we will be back again tomorrow. Can't wait. You have to wait, Chip. Okay. Yeah. I will wait. Yeah. We'll be here. Okay. I think you... <laughs> I feel like I'm, we need some honey. Oh, man. 
I seriously love honey. And have you ever honey. have you ever eaten a honeycomb? I have. Oh, yeah. So good. You delicious. know what I was thinking though while no. we were eating this? Okay. Like Samson scooped this out of a lion, right? And he's just walking around with it. Can you imagine like how sticky this dude was from that? True. Like I hate being sticky. I yeah, I'm like picturing him like yeah. like trying to get off the stickiness and it's just not happening. No. It's disgusting. No, I yeah, that's true. There were no wet wipes. Yeah. Yeah, no. No wet wipes. No plumbing, running water. I mean, this dude was just no, sticky. Just from sticky. This. <laughs> it's just... I don't like thinking about that. Yeah, it's gross. All okay. right. Bye, guys. Bye.